The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host today, sometimes referred to as the Shale Play Prophet or the North Dakota Nomad. I take all kinds of names and sometimes I've been referred to as other names as well. Boy, those are a lot more these days, especially working in the oil and gas industry. More on that a little bit later. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern provolone is manning our production element of the program. And we may possibly be speaking with him a little bit later in the program. We'll wait and see. We'll see how the show progresses. But I want to get things moving today. So provolone, pay attention because sometimes when I get focused, I'm a hard person to follow. Let me tell you that. Now, we've got Kathleen Skama from the Western Energy Alliance, the president, waiting patiently on the Bakken Barbecue phone lines. We're gonna to get to her in just a moment or two. As your host of the Crude Life Podcast, I feel it is important to set the table, if you will, what we have on the offerings for our podcast, De Jour, that's daily podcast. All right, I, I agree there, Provolone. Getting a little too cutesy in the intro. We'll keep things moving along here, and we'll keep things moving along. All right, we got headlines coming up here shortly. I mentioned Kathleen Skama, Western Energy Alliance's president. She'll be joining us shortly here on the podcast. We'll be talking about the public health debate or not when it comes to the world of energy. Mineral owners decarbonizing over the past 150 years, what the presidential candidates are saying and talking about when it comes to the world of energy. Plus a boots on the ground from Colorado. Kathleen Skama's office is in Denver. She handles the national political scene, but we're going to ask her for a boots on the ground as well as neighboring states in Wyoming and New Mexico. Also on today's program, the music you're hearing is the Moody River Band. What we do here at The Crude Life is we extend our audience outside of the oil and gas industry any way we can. And one of the ways we like to do is through music. So we engage and we partner and we cross-promote with musicians, independent singer-songwriters. In this case, it's the Moody River Band. They're a fantastic uh, street dance, uh, big, you know, kind of a big stage type thing. They don't do too many small venues, a lot of street dances and a lot of uh, big New Year's Eve ball type events, you know, where you're, you're talking hundreds of people because they can get people up and they got some music to get you moving. And their music, they understand the value of getting people to the actual event so they give their music away for free you know sometimes our musicians may sell them and so therefore we help cross promote and we have the links right at the crudelife.com if you'd like to go to the website you'll see their album cover right on the home page right when you click on it and then if you click on that the moody river band uh it's free rock and roll music.com or net is their website but the links are available to crude life and they give their music away for free because they want you to be used to it they want you to be exposed to it and they want you to be rocking and rolling at their events so uh, moody river band thank you very much part of our music crossover promotion with the crude life 
and musicians from across the country helping us spread the good word on oil and gas any way we possibly can. Okay, because you know what? Honestly, 96% of what we use on a daily basis comes from oil and gas. So to actually think that in, a, any, in our lifetime, my lifetime, that we're going to get away from fossil fuels and oil and gases is a little bit... Um, well, in the media, we would call that, let's see, uh, provolone. A lesson here, okay? This is a lesson because when I was in the media, and I, I'm educated, okay? I got a college degree from North Dakota State University who just won their eighth national championship in the past nine years. Not that I'm saying football is important or that sports, sports, sports is important because sometimes it's so important you got to say it three times, sports, sports, sports. So what I'm telling you is that my formal education, if someone were to tell me they wanted to ban fossil fuels, they wanted to ban oil and gas in the next 10 years as a professional media person who has taken an ethical standard, who has understood the formal education that goes into the process of fact-checking and scientific evidence and propaganda, yellow journalism, sensationalism, all of those things, as a formal professional, I should have no problem looking at them and saying, well, that's just crazy. Provolone, there's your lesson for today. Now, we're going to keep things moving along here because I want Kathleen to join us to talk about some of these presidential candidates who are actually saying these things. And quite honestly, when you think about it, I mean, just trying to have a simple conversation about health care without oil and gas is enough to go maddening because you're just trying to have a rational conversation, get them to answer questions. If somebody's trying to ban fossil fuels in their mind and agree with Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or one of the other six, seven presidential candidates that are now coming forward against uh, oil and gas and, and the shale revolution, but that, just trying to have a, a healthcare conversation. Okay, do, do you not want plastic over needles? That's a, it's a real question. Okay, and when it comes to the needles, are we going to go to a glass one for everyone? Or is the plastic okay? Or are we going to use plastic out of soybeans? Or are we going to increase our corn? Do, do we get, I mean, when you start trying to actually have a conversation with them, it is maddening. It is maddening. So Kathleen Skama from the Western Energy Alliance, she's going to help cut through the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, to give you folks an egg reference here on this energy themed program okay see that another cross promotion we don't stop here at the crude life no esoteric energy baby we throw out the script it's organic it's 100 percent natural just like fossil fuels all right let's go to our commercial note we got yeah let's can, can we do our sponsor and then do headlines do we can we do that provolone i mean do we have to follow a script do we have a script because i just said we don't but you're trying to tell me that we have a show clock now okay so you are now suspended today no speaking today because what you're talking about is a show clock all right we're going to do the meeting right here on the air all right so the first day when you held your precious podcast meeting and i'm the employee and, and you're the person of authority even though i'm the owner of the company and the host of the show I'm still willing to go along with it. And you're talking about the free form and all this other stuff and the podcast. And 
and, and so I bring up a show clock. What you looked at me like, like I just handed you a turd sandwich. Like I was trying to undercut you, usurp your authority. Look it up. I see you looking at the computer because you want to look up the word usurp. Go ahead. I'll still continue my rant. What we're talking about now is, what are we, nine episodes in and you're bringing forward and now you're trying to validate your idea, which was my idea, which was actually my educated professional trainings idea about something we just call a show clock. All right. So today, no speaking for you. The haze continues. Are you ever going to, I tell you, it's going to be Christmas before you're ever to say hello to the audience. At this rate, I mean, now this is what the punishment is. Forget taking the trash out. Forget the wax on, wax off. Paint the fence. Got our own way to take care of you, Provolone. By the way, folks, Provolone is our entitled intern. He uh, comes from a uh, Mama and Papa OGC, Mama and Papa Oil and Gas Company, because his parents are the owners of a modest oil and gas company. And he's here as an intern because at the university, he was studying entitlement, according to Papa OGC, and needs to learn the way the world works and what better way than the under... Oh, actually, to understand the respect of the industry as well, because this industry was built on a lot of hard work in the backs of a lot of handshakes and negotiations between lands and governments and corporations, and small business. I mean, you want to talk about the complexity that went into developing an oil and gas community, and now somebody from a different state wants to just get rid of it with a swipe of a pen? That's why you're here, Provolone, is because at the university, they don't teach you this stuff. you got to learn it here. So lesson of the day, my man. Okay, what else do we got? Can we do our sponsor? Because I'd like to pay some bills and keep the lights on and let people know that energy comes from more than just the flick of the switch because not only do we got to keep the lights on, but we got to let people know where the energy comes from that allows the light switch to work because everybody thinks, oh, just do the circuit breaker and that'll take care of it. What's that? Slaughterhouses, get rid of them. We don't want farmers around, but let's go to the grocery store and pick up our food. Okay, let's take a look at today's sponsor. Oh, goody, goody. I love Vogel Law Firm. Let me tell you why. Because Josh Swanson, who's a mineral attorney up in North Dakota, he does it all over the country, but he's been a longtime uh, regular on the program. And he also does the North Dakota State football podcast as well. So he's, he does on, not only being a mineral attorney during the day, Josh Swanson also is the voice of the North Dakota State podcast. And he's been doing it for a number of years. He writes, he's one of the first multimedia guys to do it because he does a magazine and newspaper articles and he does podcasts. He has a radio show on the uh, uh, North Dakota State uh, radio network, all kinds of different things. So, um, uh, today's sponsor, by the way, Josh Swanson, is an employee and a lawyer at Vogel Law Firm. So that's our sponsor today is Vogel Law Firm. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, personalized info on Josh Swanson because, uh, well, he's you know he's he's a good fr- friend of mine and friend of the program, and um, I 
Just wanted to do that, okay? There we go. Uh, Vogel Law Firm is a prestigious law firm serving a wide range of clientele in the Dakotas, Minnesota, and beyond. Vogel's lawyers deliver quality representation and proven results. Vogel Law Firm is one of the oldest continuing law firms in North Dakota with more than 55 attorneys in diverse practices. Very few problems arise that have not been encountered previously. For businesses and individuals alike, Vogel Law offers an unrivaled breadth of knowledge and services to their clients. They provide proven representation and peace of mind for the most important issues to you or your business. For more information, visit VogelLaw.com. That's VogelLaw.com. Of course, all of our sponsors are available at TheCrudeLife.com. Click on the Sponsorship tab. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies, sitting in the Hatch Coaching Studios, Kathleen Scama, Western Energy Alliance, patiently waiting on the Bakken barbecue phone lines. We'll be getting to her in just a moment or two. But first, we're going to do our headlines du jour, the headlines of the day, to talk about what's going on in the world of oil and gas, and maybe others as well. The way we do headlines here at The Crude Life is just like the way most people read their headlines. As we read the headline, read a couple paragraphs and move on with our day and believe that's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And that's the way I'm going to do it moving forward. So uh, that's kind of the basis of it. But we take it a step further here because remember, we're esoteric energy. We're healing the masses, the thousands and thousands being healed every day by The Crude Life podcast. And what we do is we, we like to comment on them and, and fold in some layers to the headlines. That's what we should call it. Headline layers just flows off the tongue. You can even see a t-shirt. Boy, that's just awful, awful thinking right there. Just not even a good idea. I wouldn't even vote for that idea. And it's mine. All right. What do we got for today's headline? Let's see. Let's get to this first one here. Shale slams on brakes as financial stress deepens. It's coming from The Fuse, energyfuse.org. The Fuse, igniting conversations about commentary about energy. Okay. So, as oil prices suffer a renewed slump on the back of weakening demand and chronic oversupply, the U.S. shale industry has slammed on the brakes. The rig count has been declining for more than a year and the pace of production growth has slowed dramatically. Bankruptcies are once again on the rise, and some of the largest oil field service companies are starting to look elsewhere. Most analysts see production continuing to rise, at least for a while. But after a decade of growth, the U.S. shale campaign is facing fundamental questions about its longevity. All right, well, let's take a look at that, and there's obviously more to the story, so I'm going to have to read it later. But uh, I don't care for the headlines. It's sensational, but I understand why they've they've done that. Uh, initially, I thought this was going to be a very unfavorable piece. And as much as it is, there is some truth behind some of these things. 
Uh, the rig count has been declining, but there is a reason behind that. And part of the reason, too, is that the rig counts have to be viewed and assessed differently. Horizontal drilling, hydraulic fracturing has changed the industry so much that the paradigm shift has rippled and rippled and rippled through almost every department possible, including it should be rippling to the rig count. Now, there's a steep drop-off on a lot of these rigs. That extended afterlife isn't there. And, of course, with the ducts and the refracts and everything else like that, we got to take a look at those as well. But it's that steep decline, I think, that needs to be added in. And, and, we, need to, and we don't know the answer yet. That's why we're having this conversation. So the rig count's been in decline for more than a year. That is true. However, there's a little bit more to that than just to say this financial stress. Uh, the pace of the production growth has slowed dramatically. Bankruptcies are once again on the rise. That is true. Some of the largest oil field service companies are starting to look elsewhere. That's been going on for five years. Actually, since the first downturn, 2014, people started looking elsewhere. Um, that's We're no different. We started our, our cultivation last year, actually, with uh, an international audience because we started to see that we were picking up steam over in the UK. We were picking up steam in Qatar. South America was, for some reason, really enjoying the crude life. So we started... Uh, making some minor changes behind the scenes here at the crude life to accommodate that. So this has been going on for a while. The thing though that I think is, is, is really good about this, although I don't agree with the headline, is that the conversation should be had. The last downturn, there was so much positive talk, so much positive talk that it almost gaslit people. It really did. Some people were expecting, you know, it, it to switch and and that sort of thing, and it it was it was tough for some individuals. Of course, coming off of hundred dollar oil, it was really hard. Uh, so I, I do think that there is some things. The part I don't understand though is the weakening demand and chronic oversupply. That part I I don't get because, um, far as I know, there's a big demand out there. Last time I checked, Mexico just is is salivating over our natural gas, and I think. Some of the um, European countries are now needing it exported in, and I just saw that China would like to have as much as we can give them too. So I'm not really sure where the weakened demand comes in, and having that in your lead sentence, I boy, I got to question that as well. But uh, you know what? I might call Nick Cunningham, the author of this, and see if he'll come on and talk about this a little bit because this is a commentary piece. This is not a news article. Provolone. It's a commentary piece, but that's okay. It's a headline. Nobody knows the difference. So this is this is all playing into what the bigger story is being told, how people read their headlines. They don't know the difference between commentary and news, and they don't know the difference between the first two paragraphs and the entire story. So very good. It was, you know, it's kind of a backwards way to walk into it, but you still walked into it, Provolone. Good for you. All right. Number two, let's go to number two here with the crude life headlines here. Industry pay attractive, but energy transition pushed to bite. And this is a report here. And this is put out by upstreamonline.com. Put this story out. Industry pay still attractive, but energy transition pushed to bite, according to report. Almost half of oil and gas professionals are eyeing jobs in cleaner energy sectors 
as the focus of oil and gas companies are putting on energy transition becomes increasingly apparent, although industry salaries are still the envy of many energy workers and remain attractive. Okay, I want to just stop it right there because next we're going to get into uh, the next paragraph is just from the global. En- All right, I'll just go ahead and read it. The Global Energy in- Talent Index, a report into the industry's workforce with 21,000 energy professionals of 151 different nationalities and spread across 169 countries, report that 43% of the professionals surveyed said they were keen to move into the renewable energy sector. Okay, if this is true. That's where I want to go to almost half of the oil and gas professionals are eyeing jobs in cleaner sectors. That's interesting to me because, um, well, in 2020, our motto was ready for anything. And so if you've got the industry having to defend itself and be proactive and take on a task of re-educating people on how energy works and where it comes from, and then you've got the industry imploding like this, where if you, if you lose half of the people, that's um, it's not so much about whether they can sustain it with the automation and some of the new ways of doing business. That's not it. It's just it's more of the public opinion I'm worried about, losing 43% of the professionals. If bankruptcies are up and other things are up like that, uh, people might leave upset. And when people leave upset against an industry, generally they're not supporting it. So... Um, I'm, I'm going to get somebody on from this global energy talent in, index. Okay. Provolone, make a note of this. And I'm, I'm serious when I say this, I want somebody on to talk about this. This is a very important topic that we need to talk about here in the crude life. If we have 70% of the industry retiring by 2022 and 43% of the people want to go and work in the renewable energy sector. We need to talk about this and find out the skinny behind this because this is way more important than just a headline. So, uh, by the way, folks, these headlines are available at thecrudelife.com. If you go ahead and click on our uh, show page tab, you'll see it, you know, episode number XYZ. Well, actually, it's numbers uh, episode. This would be episode nine, I believe. And so if we want to click on that, you'll see all the headlines that we have right there, and you can click on them. Okay, our third headline, kind of a fun one. Let's see what we got here. Police dash cam video. Brown's Kareem Hunt says he'd fail drug test. Cleveland Brown's running back Kareem Hunt said he would fail a drug test for marijuana and was found to have an open container of vodka in his vehicle. According to a dash cam video of a January 21 traffic stop, released by the Rocky River, Ohio Police Department. Hunt was pulled over on suspicion of speeding last week in Rocky River, a suburb of Cleveland. During the stop, police found marijuana in a backpack with Hunt's name on it, but cited him only for speeding. According to the police report, Michael Asbury took Hunt to the police cruiser after detecting the smell of marijuana coming out of the car. All right. That's usually where we stop after two paragraphs. Now, I am familiar with the story provolone, so I'm going to continue on a little bit. The The story goes, he put him in the back, and he was a, a Browns fan, apparently, because they found this from the webcam. So they got the audio, the video, and he was apparently a fan of Kareem Hunt, knew about his career, knew about him, said he was a, a fan, and said, no, no worry about it. You know, as long as there's nothing in your car, you don't have to worry about it. 
So he came back. They had the, the marijuana. And they also had some liquor in the car. And the police officer said, you know, I, I, I don't want you to get in trouble. I know who you are. Just going to write you off. He even cited Ray Rice, who was suspended for domestic violence. So what I'm saying is this, this police officer was a fan. And this police officer, and this is, this is to me the story. This is the story to me, is in today's day and age, police officers still can use their discretion. They still can. Many of them will platitude you and say they can't, but they can. And this is an example of a police officer who did. He saw an athlete he recognized, but he also knew that Kareem Hunt had a history of problems. And if he had another one, that would probably be it for him. So he made a choice. He decided not to ruin this man's life, so to speak, even though I know Kareem Hunt's the ruiner of his own, but he made some bad decisions. He made some decisions. And the police officer made some too. Where I see this is that it was, it was refreshing. Now, I'm, I'm not sticking up for the actions here. What I'm sticking up for here is that it's nice to see when a police officer can use their discretion when they, they can. I think so often police officers will get a bad rap because they have to follow the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit of the law or the intent of the law. And this is where I'm coming from. When I grew up, back in my day, provolone, back in my day, and this is no kidding, back in the 80s, there were times where police officers would give drunk drivers a ride home. I mean, that was a thing. They would pull somebody over. Oh, Bob Johnson, he's so-and-so, whatever. They'd give him a ride home. Or they'd some, some states, I think, they'd even follow him home, let him get back in his car and drive home. And there wasn't problems like there are. But I get that, that, you know, you side on the low percentage and everything. But just to show you how far we've come to where back in the day when they used to give, you know, a drunk guy a ride home because they didn't want it ended up in the paper and they didn't want so-and-so's life to, you know, go upheavaled and this and that because they were doing more positive than negative for the community or whatever the justification is. The police officer had the authority to make that choice, make that assess the situation and, and actually make a choice right there instead of saying, oh, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Uh, you moved outside of this box. I'm a hall monitor, X, Y, Z. So that's kind of how I looked at this. It was, I, I get the, you know, the fact that he's rich, he's famous, he's an athlete, so he got special treatment. Understand all of that, all those reasons, you can be upset, but that's been going on since the Donna man. And that's, that's what's called, you know, good old boys. Now it's called networking. So it's, it's no different. It's been going on, like I said, since the dawn of man, the, since the, the, the last supper, since the last supper provolone, we've had a good old boys club for crying out loud. So I get that part of it. But to me, that slice that you probably won't get anywhere else is, you know, the officer was able to, you know, assess something. Now he's getting chastised for it now, but, you know, I... I'm not sticking up for him, but I'm saying it, it was kind of refreshing to see that. Uh, he assessed it and saw that nobody was in danger to hurting anybody. And, 
some probably some major ripples were going to happen because of this. And you know what? And, and at the end of the day, Kareem Hunt might turn around and turn it into a positive. And that's what the cop is hoping that will happen. The police officer, in fact, even said that in the story. So again, these headlines are available at thecrudelife.com. If you'd like to click on them and follow along with our headlines here at the Crude Life podcast, the daily 30-minute Crude Life podcast that is heard every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday, and sometimes it's 45 minutes long. We're going to take a brief pause and we come back. Kathleen Skama with the Western Energy Alliance going to join us. But first, I do want to mention our sponsor one more time because we need to keep our lights on here at The Crude Life and we need to inform and educate people on how the lights get turned on. And our sponsor today, Vogel Law Firm, is a prestigious law firm serving a wide range of clientele in the Dakotas, Minnesota, and beyond. Their lawyers deliver quality representation and proven results. Vogel Law Firm is one of the oldest continuing law firms in the North Dakota with more than 55 attorneys and diverse practices. Very few problems arise that have not been encountered previously. For businesses and individuals alike, Vogel Law offers an unrivaled breadth of knowledge and services to their clients. They provide proven representation and peace of mind for the most important issues to you or your business. For more information, visit VogelLaw.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees, the shill play prophet or the North Dakota nomad, as some of you have been calling me. I appreciate that very much. We do like to have some fun here at the Crude Life, but we also like to get serious from time to time. And I'll tell you what, in our 2020 year, our motto is ready for anything because the energy world has gotten very politicized. It's very polarized. And the presidential election is also upon us. So as those nexus tend to cross over, we think, you know what, you got to be ready for anything in 2020. And our next guest, who's patiently waiting on our Bakken barbecue phone line here in our Hatch Coaching Studios, is Kathleen Skama with the Western Energy Alliance. She's a heavyweight in the industry. Not only is she the president of the Western Energy Alliance out in D.C. lobbying on energy's behalf, but she spent some time in the information technology sector. In fact, 11 years managing European consulting practices, three years in the military as a military intelligence officer in the Army. We're very grateful to have her on the program once again. She is a regular, by the way, here on The Crude Life. So, Let's get to our Bakken barbecue phone lines and welcome in Kathleen Skama with the Western Energy Alliance. Kathleen Skama, president of Western Energy Alliance. Thank you very much for joining us here today. We want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that's going on in the presidential election. Recently saw, you've been in the news, you had a press release out that we got here at the Crude Lice. You've, you've got some comments, some thoughts on the debates that have been happening as recent as the one last week. So, uh, Kathleen, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been a very interesting to be in an industry that uh, suddenly presidential candidates are calling criminal and that we should be put in jail. I mean, after all, we provide the energy that uh, puts food on the table, gets people to school and work, uh, keeps the lights on, and suddenly we're the bad guys. 
One thing on the crude life here, we've been talking about, oh, probably the last month. I mean, we've been kind of talking about the last five years, but been framing it this way where it seems to me about five years ago in Colorado, I noticed, you know, people were looking over their shoulders when they were mentioning they worked in the oil and gas industry. The Colorado Blueprint, the SB 181. Now there's another circulation going around, that sort of thing. Where I'm going with this is that it seems over the past five years, and especially in this presidential candidate, they've shifted the conversation to not an energy debate, but a public health debate now. Um, I guess so. You know, they're trying to make oil and natural gas seem as if it's harmful, because if you can claim that something is harmful, then that gives the state or the administrative power, you know, the governor, whomever wants to, gives them some authority to shut it down or to overregulate it. Mm -hmm. The reality is um, oil and natural gas has been, you know, we've been producing that, that in the country for over 100 years, way more than 100 years, actually. Um, production is often close to populated areas um, because it's done in a way that protects public health and reduces environmental impacts. And we keep, you know, every day we're innovating and we keep reducing environmental impacts and, and we have to operate in ways that protect public health. So what we see in Colorado is a pretty disingenuous effort by regulators to say it's not enough and it's just justification for more. So that's kind of what's happening in Colorado. Um, you know, you see up in North Dakota, certainly a more uh, reasonable um, business-oriented approach that understands that oil and natural gas is not just an economic driver for the state, but, you know, a source of uh, people's livelihoods. So there's kind of more of a balanced approach in North Dakota. Um, so you guys are lucky up there. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, the pr private mineral rights, obviously, and the clean air, and we've got a very favorable uh, legislative body as well that uh, that sees the the benefits of just you know some good science and and clean business if you will. Uh, I did. I wanted to you ask. Know, that's a good go ahead. Point though about the mineral owners because there are just as many, probably maybe even more mineral owners in Colorado. Um, well, I shouldn't say you know it's comparable. You have mineral owners all across the country that own their oil and natural gas rights. And in fact, the industry returns about $21 billion annually to royalty owners. And many of them, like in North Dakota, are individual landowners or just regular citizens, and they derive the benefit of that oil and natural gas production. So we have the same thing in Colorado. So you have a situation where state regulators may um, put off limits people's you know royalties may put off limits their, their access to their minerals and i think you know perhaps in the future that might be a source of litigation against the state because you're taking away somebody's property right uh, you mentioned a you know we've been using responsible energy for 150 years or 100 years in fact i'll even go back 150 years and i'm paraphrasing what, what you were saying before but you know we've been decarbonizing since Abraham Lincoln was in office. I say it all the time, you know, the stove, t the stove top pipe or whatever is, uh, you know, back then they were using wood and hay and we've gone through coal and we've gone through oil and, and now we've pretty much gotten to natural gas. So we've gone really down to one hydrocarbon. 
So there's a, there's really the decarbonization of energy has been going on for 150 years, and I joke on the program all the time, long before the Sierra Club came along and started telling us what to do, because that's the reality, is that we have been decarbonizing. But boy, it certainly seems since we got to this year's presidential election, especially this energy perception, this energy debate has taken on a whole new life. And as we get closer to the election, I'm just wondering, what should energy people, energy, energy industries, what should we look out for? Because I believe it's only going to get more heated and more, I guess, rampant, if you will, as, as we get closer to the summer. Yes, it is a bit disheartening that major presidential candidates seem to think going after our industry is politically expedient. Now, you know, in some ways they look at us and they kind of, you know, they, there's this this narrative that it's just a bunch of fat cats and they're just getting rich off of, um, you know, the American public. But the reality is that we're providing the American public with a source of um, energy that provides everything they use every day. Um, we heat your home. We cool it in the summer. Uh, we provide the electricity. Your smartphone and your computer are, are not possible with oil and natural gas, not just to power them, but the components are made from oil and natural gas. Um, food, you know, doesn't get delivered to, it doesn't get grown and delivered without oil and natural gas. So everything that sustains everyday life um, derives from having abundant, affordable energy and oil and natural gas to make those products. So they're actually going after the energy that people use in their daily lives. So it might be politically expedient now to attack our industry, but if they actually took what they're saying to its logical conclusion, they would deprive Americans of their cars, their electricity, their smartphones, and they wouldn't last a day in office if they actually did that. So um, we're looking forward to when things settle down, the rhetoric kind of cools down a bit, and when reality sets in. Kathleen Skama with us at Western Energy Alliance talking about the presidential election. Uh, some of the conversations they're having about, you know, apparently plastic straws are not in the conversation anymore. They're just talking about banning the industry outright, which is, I'll let you make up your own mind on that. We think it's a little bit ridiculous on the crazy side, but that's, that's an opinion. Um, I wanted to ask you about... Um, what their response is, and I don't know if anybody's ever asked the presidential candidates this or, or that level of, of uh, you know, professional or, or politicians, if you will, the, the, the poverty side of this. That, you know, I mean, it's no secret that the energy industry has done remarkable things in, in bringing heat into people's homes and creating it so that we, we can have a better quality of life. And they, there's been a number of studies that have shown that the more renewable this society goes at the rampant pace they're going, the more it's really going to affect the low and low and poor people, the low income people and the poor people. Has that been brought up in these presidential elections at all? Or do you, do you guys look at that at all? Well, we certainly do. But, uh, you know, the level of debate in, in the presidential contest so far doesn't seem to get to that practical level of detail um you know it, it it's it we're in the rhetoric stage we're in the the superficial stage um 
you know, I, I think it, it, but the rhetoric does indicate um, how a potential, you know, how a potential president would govern. So when you see that type of rhetoric that, um, you know, you know that it would not only kill jobs in North Dakota directly related or indirectly related to the industry, but would increase prices and put low-income people at such a disadvantage. You know, there was a study that came out that said that low natural gas prices are literally saving 11,000 lives a year because of lower heating costs. So fewer people are dying every year from the cold because of low natural gas prices. Um, You know, that type of messaging doesn't really get through the fray when there's all this talk of impeachment and you've got presidential candidates running around calling us criminal. Um, But that's the reality, and that's why I say, you know, eventually reality sets in. If people can't heat their homes and they can't uh, drive to school and work, then that type of uh, agenda quickly crumbles and loses support of the American voter. So I think reality will set in. By the way, Kathleen, I should mention we're now, you know, we have a podcast now. So not only do we have the radio platform up in the Bach in, in the five-state region up there, but we've got a podcast now that we put out every day. And by every day, we mean Monday through Thursday, because that's what it means in podcast world, with a weekend review on Friday. And then we it's a, it's a half-hour podcast every day, which means it could be 45 minutes. I love this podcast language. You can just say whatever you want. So, um, you know, you've, you've been mentioning North Dakota, but I imagine a lot of this is applicable in other areas. Texas has a lot of mineral rights. We mentioned mineral rights earlier um, and that sort of thing as well, because uh, the industry is so tied together. Uh, and and it's just, it just seems like it's becoming more tied together every single day. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with just the, the change in, in the atmosphere out there. You're based in Colorado. Uh, how is that atmosphere there? You know, you mentioned that, you know, the, the kind of the statewide of it, but I, I've been reading that even the New Mexico governor now is even making some statements that the oil and gas industry has kind of caught their attention a little bit. Do you follow much of the local statewide politics or do you just pretty much uh, tackle the national uh, p- p- political landscape? You know, New Mexico is really interesting. I'm glad you brought it up because, um, Oil and natural gas provides about a third of the state's budget. Um, because of increased growth in the Permian Basin um, in New Mexico, I mean, everybody kind of thinks of the Permian in Texas, but it straddles New Mexico-Texas border. Um, we've delivered about $1.3, additional, uh, $1.3 billion in additional funding, and a lot of that is going to education. So while Governor Grisham is getting... Um, sniping from the left, complaining that she supports fracking and that she's not trying to shut down the oil and natural gas industry. She is trying to get free college tuition for New Mexico students, and she wouldn't be able to do that without the extra $1.3 billion that the oil and natural gas has, uh, industry has delivered over the last year. So um, she's an interesting case, and, in, you know, she is getting that pressure from the left, but the practicality of governing and the huge benefit to um, students, low-income students suddenly being able to afford college, um, the, the benefit speaks for itself. So I think she's certainly much more reasonable than what we see in the governor of uh, Colorado, who uh, 
doesn't quite see the benefits. He's more of a crusader against oil and natural gas, um, and you know, kind of a true believer. So there is a much more difficult um, environment in Colorado as a result. I definitely know what you're talking about there. He's um, they they won't even give me the time of day barely, and they keep <laughs> they, they turn down interviews all the time and. Uh, I mean requests, because I, I put out requests to, to their office. Um, it's a governor of a state that's impacted in, in, in different things, and we've had a number of governors on the program before. You know, obviously North Dakota's a regular guest, but Wyoming's and uh, Senator Perry was on. Rick Perry's been on here. We've had a number of different them, but um, they don't seem to want to. I mean, it's just different. It's a different vibe, you know what I mean? And so when you said that, it totally made sense to me it, when you when you said crusade because it is it's like he's he won't even listen to the other side at all it's it, it's all done it's answered done so it's uh peculiar so what's happening and at, at your guys's office how are you guys making ma- making things work these days give yourself a plug and what people should look out for in the newsletter and the whole deal you know um they can find more information out about Western Energy Alliance at westernenergyalliance.org or follow us on Twitter at Western Energy One. Um, but, you know, we're really working on um, solidifying some of these good policies that we've seen from the Trump administration, making sure they survive um, whether the Trump administration ends in a year or five years. Um, we want to ensure that policies are put in place um, in regulation and that they can't be overturned easily by a subsequent president who might be someone like Elizabeth Warren, who's very hostile to our industry. So that's what we're kind of laser focused on these days is getting some of these rules finalized um, so that those policies can become somewhat permanent. Are you guys expecting a pretty busy year? I mean, I mentioned it earlier that I I think it's going to be a heated year and you know, obviously you guys are trying to keep the waters calm, but at the same time, um, you know, reality is reality. And um, are you guys expecting somewhat of a, of, a, of a more challenging year or a busier year or just, you know, in you've had presidential elections in the past. I just, is this one different? Yeah, not more challenging. It's just, um, you know, we, we, we're, we've got a lot of work to do because the the administration's pointed in the right direction, and they just need help wrapping up some of these things, uh, just in case uh, you know the election doesn't go their way. So we have to kind of worst case plan, and so we're assuming that we need to get most things done by the summer because by the summer the campaign just takes over, and nothing much gets done in Washington because of the political atmosphere. So we've got some major rules that need to be finalized. Um, we've got to get these policies in place, and it's um, it's all pointed in a good direction. Um, yeah, a good and a positive direction. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. 
innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. For today's The Crude Life Podcast, I'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and joining, making us part of your daily content. We understand we're competing with Ron Burgundy, Mario Lopez, and even Steve Harvey, who's now giving me news in between the gas pumps. So we understand you can get your content in a million different areas and in a million different ways. So we appreciate you listening to The Crude Life Podcast. Also, like to thank Kathleen Scama, the president of Western Energy Alliance, also like to thank our sponsor today, Vogel Law Firm. Vogel Law Firm is a prestigious law firm serving a wide range of clientele in the Dakotas, Minnesota, and beyond. For more information on Vogel Law Firm, visit vogellaw.com. That's vogellaw.com. The Crude Life is also social. We've got a LinkedIn, a Facebook, a YouTube. I think there's even a Twitter page out there. Anyway, if you go to thecrudelife.com, Click on the social media tab. You'll take a look at our social media pages. We've got Bakken, Marcellus, Eagleford, Permian, The Crude Life, Netflix. Wait, not Netflix. LinkedIn. I forget. There's so many of them out there. We've just got all kinds of different pages, and we put our content through all of the different networks. So that way, again, you never know how anyone is getting their information and how they're getting it, where they're getting it, when they're getting it. It's a busy world, and it seems the more connected we become, the more disconnected we are. So we invite you to follow The Crude Life. Like, follow, share, explain, tell people. We're here to help the industry. We're here to be a voice for the industry and a conduit. You like that energy term? Well, we're here to connect and be a conduit here at The Crude Life. Okay. Clothing. Yes, we sell clothing. We'd appreciate it if you buy that as well. The Just Frack It is our most popular. You know, The Rock, Just Bring It, Just Frack It. Let your clothing do your speaking for you. I think it's like 20 bucks for a t-shirt. If you go to thecrudelife.com, we've got the links right there as well. All right, that's going to do it for today's program. Coming up later on in this week, we've got Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney from WIC. Matt Cruz from Huskerland Oilfield Services, plus Mike Vickers from oilfieldjobshop.com. And it looks like we got a few more as questionable. So we could have a busy, busy week, folks. We already do with our guests that are lined up. So we invite you folks back tomorrow, and that's going to do it for today. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Crude Life with host Jason Spees. My name is Jason Spees and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Watford City High School student ambassadors, Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia, as they discuss the ambassador program and what their experiences are working with industry. 
in just a moment. Part of our exclusive interview with Emma, Taylor, Ellie, and Lydia, Watford City High School students. I'm Taylor, and I moved here in the middle of seventh grade. And we all know as junior high kids, that's hard transition. And so when I came here, it was difficult for me to make friends, and it wasn't the, I guess I put, I pushed myself away because I was scared and I missed my home but um, the more I got to be around the people of North Dakota and the more that I got to share my times and memories with them I learned how much of like a wonderful place this was and moving I just know that coming from where I did in Idaho and moving to North Dakota and being put in the positions that I've been put in and learning and growing from where I am I definitely wouldn't be in the same place here in North Dakota that I would be in Idaho. I moved here in fifth grade at the beginning of the year and I kind of had the same problem. I didn't make friends very well. I kind of pushed myself away. I just wanted to move home and be close to my family again. But growing up here, it got me to see all the opportunities this town has to offer and everything that we're getting started now as we've all gotten older is really cool to watch and creating. I definitely would not have the same opportunities I have here than I would back in Minnesota. So that's really cool to see and getting to be a part of these on the other side rather than being the kid coming in and getting to help them and just kind of telling them like, yeah, this might kind of suck when you first get here, but if you let it help you, it will, and it'll open a lot of doors for you in your future. To listen to the full-length interview with Watford City High School students, Taylor, Emma, Lydia, and Ellie, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our social media tab, Facebook, YouTube, even the Twitters, LinkedIn as well, right there at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.